What is going on? I am Ramsey Said What. This is the A-Side, B-Side podcast, the branded podcast by What's the Movement.net. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to press play. So now while you're here, um, take a moment, rate, subscribe, review this podcast. It is available everywhere you can listen to podcasts. So if you're listening on AudioMac, you could hear it on Apple or Spotify or vice versa. Google Podcasts, um, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, um, and always at home on What's the Movement.net. Uh, go to westmovement.net check out our new updates and um the latest episodes of this podcast last episode was with the good folks at mama hill um new vegan restaurant in long branch new jersey it was a dope sit down um so if you're listening to me now at the end of listening to this podcast go back and listen to that one and uh, you know i like to think this is a very bingeable podcast so you know go do all that uh, check out all the new music updates on once a moment as well um so today um i got to sit down with kathy Iandoli. she is the author of brand new book baby girl better known as Aaliyah. i tried my best not to say that a timbling voice i'm just so used to saying it like that but um yeah we had a really dope sit down obviously we talked about the book uh, we talked about her music being on streaming platforms uh, posthumously and um we we talked about like hip-hop journalism um she's also a journalist um been covering music for um a while so um i'm not gonna waste any time with music as i normally play on this podcast so um if you're here for a music discovery tip uh listen for the next one but uh listen to this interview and as always i need you to feel this what's going on guys i am ramsey said what you may also know me as Jonathan C. Ramsey. I usually say that in reverse, but whatever. Thank you for tuning into the A-Side, B-Side podcast, the branded podcast by What's the Movement.net. Um, as always, rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends to do the same. Uh, sometimes you guys are here for me. Other times you're here for my great guests. So um, I'd like uh, my guest today to introduce herself um, because I don't want to butcher your last name. I've heard it pronounced so many different na- ways, and I didn't want to miss say it um hi i'm a, <laughs> i'm kathy Andley, um also known as kath 3000 and uh you know apparently i write <laughs> <laughs> yes. um so uh if you guys aren't under a rock uh there's a big book out right now called baby girl better known as Aaliyah. um and her music's out on streaming platforms now but um our guest is uh said author Amazon bestseller. Um, I'm not sure if it's a New York bestseller. Um, probably will be soon. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how's the reception been thus far from um, from the people? With every person who reads the book, I think that when you see a book like this, mm-hmm. you approach it from maybe two very polarizing perspectives, right? Yeah. I, either you're incredibly skeptical or incredibly excited. And I'm thrilled that the incredibly excited remain excited through the book and the incredibly skeptical are proved incredibly wrong Mm. and pleasantly. Right. So there, the reception has been great for the people who have read the book and I'm getting just so many people who are DMing me and and reaching out um, over email just to express that and it's been just amazing. I've, I've, 
I've just been very excited about it. And, and just when you put this stuff out, you don't know what the response is going to be. Yeah. You don't know if, if people are going to like it, it's like sending your child to school. So mm-hmm. with a book like this, with a subject matter, someone who is so revered by myself and the world, it, it was, it was scary putting it out, but hearing just all the wonderful feedback, it, it just makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten to it yet. I, there was a delay on my copy. I finally got it a couple of days ago and I just haven't had the time to get to it. So I'm really, really excited about reading it. Um, it's out everywhere now. You can find a book. So definitely everybody, if you're listening, please go out and get it. Um, I'm also going to put the Amazon link in the description. So if you're driving, wait till you pull over and, and get <laughs> where, where you need to be before you right. <laughs> put it in your cart. Please do not die on my hands. I would feel horrible. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, so this is uh, this is your fourth book, if I remember correctly. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, Technically, my third released. Okay. Out of what's going to be five by the top of next year. Oh, so, nice. yeah. So, this is number three. Commissary Kitchen was the first mm-hmm. one with Prodigy. Then, God Save the Queens. Yeah. And now, Baby Girl. Okay. Well, that answered my next question. But, um, so let's, let's actually talk about, um, all right. So, you're also a hip hop journalist. You, covered music um mainstream and otherwise so um uh we kind of talked about it uh, in the emails off record but like what is it like transitioning into book writing uh because i imagine that's that's much different when i first started book writing and working with p God rest mm-hmm. his soul. Yeah. It was a, it was a different experience jumping into that book because commissary kitchen was kind of a, a condensed book where I was writing from his perspective and his voice and just my conversations with him. And it was a, it's a smaller book because it's, it's a cookbook. So that didn't feel as heavy of a lift as going into God Save the Queens. Mm -hmm. So when you go into a book like God Save the Queens, which was in between 75,000 and 80,000 words, yeah. If someone like me who on a given day can write 3000 words, but in my head, the way I rationalized it, like I tried to be super mathematic about these things. I tried to take the word count that I could write every day and apply that to an entire book. Once all the research and interviews had been done mm-hmm. and I was so incorrect. Like I, <laughs> I, with these next, the next projects that I'm working on, I have to just cut it out. Like I have to stop (laughs) thinking that writing a book is anything like writing an article. And I can see why so many music journalists, especially end up writing these books of essays where each chapter is like an article. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's completely separate from the chapter before or the chapter after like it's the 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 subject matter is siloed right Mm -hmm. and i can i get why because we're so used to getting that piece done and then you're done and Mm -hmm. 
when, when I was doing God Save the Queens, and, and there had to be obviously a thread of continuity because you're going through four decades that hadn't actually been covered before ever yeah. as it pertained to women in hip hop. So I was like going through it and in my head, I was like, okay, so should I just do articles? Like in, it was, <laughs> it was a bizarre experience. And then when you're talking about a biography, like baby girl, that's another entirely different experience because you're trying to tell a story mm-hmm. using real facts. And then you're talking to people on, you're talking to people off record who still wanted to provide context to the subject matter. So you have to find a way of threading this all together and then use um, archival footage to, to, to move the story along. So that was completely different as well. And it was, I, I thought that when I was done with God Save the Queens or even done with Baby Girl too, I thought I was going to be completely done with writing articles. Like I've, I, that was my thing for mm. a little bit where I was just like, I'm just going to write books. I'm just going to do my books and do this. And I found myself like gravitating toward writing an article again, because I like the idea of doing this kind of isolated chapter on a subject matter. Hmm. And what ended up happening was when I did some journalism work over the last month or two, my book writing experience actually helped my journalism experience, but I wouldn't necessarily say that my journalism experience helped my book writing experience. If anything, it was like baptism by fire when I went into book writing. But now that I go in, when going into writing articles, I'm like, oh, this is good. I, I like doing this. Maybe I should do this again. And I don't know. Is is it the length of it? Uh, like, because all right, so like I, I think the longest piece I may have written for a platform might have been five thousand words. So right. like like seventy, eighty thousand words seems like very daunting to me. You know. It can be because there's a, there's a thesis, right? There's a central theme. Mm -hmm. God save the Queens is different because it's um, uh, one particular subject matter broken up into several players Mm -hmm. in, in, in that um, arena. So that's not as daunting because each chapter was like a new experience, right? Mm-hmm. With Baby Girl, you're talking about 22 years of life, mm-hmm. seven years of a career, and then the coverage of the 20 years after yeah. Yeah. passing, right? And it there's a lot of space to fill with facts, but you can find yourself sounding repetitive sometimes in certain things, especially mm-hmm. when the experiences had changed, but the reasons didn't change. So, you know, going into Aliyah's history as R&B music had shifted, mm-hmm. Aliyah was continuously innovating. So yeah. that was the, a very, that was the undercurrent the whole time. So then you're kind of just showing what was going on mm-hmm. as Aliyah still innovating which was difficult to kind of put together in a way where you remained fresh in what it was that you were talking about because, and it's a good problem to have when you have such a brilliant artist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because Aliyah was so mysterious, 
it wasn't like creating an entire book of all these gotcha facts. Like, Oh, did you know, did you know that kind yeah. of thing? Because that, that would have made no sense because the whole point was to create this very well-rounded view of an incredible human being mm. who made incredible music, who was an incredible actor, who had a big heart, who was a survivor, who was strong. There were so many different parts to who, Aliyah was and still is to the world today. But mm -hmm. when you're trying to put it into a book and break it up by chapters, how do you, how do you do that with such an incredible, well-rounded being? And that was, it was difficult, but again, it was a good problem to have because of just who she was and what she contributed to the planet. Mm. So um, I listened to your Nadeska interview um, uh. on, and uh, there was something I thought that was <laughs> shout out. Uh, there was something I thought that was very interesting that you said. You said like the the kind of commonality between everybody that you spoke to. Everybody said like she was such a sweetheart. And that was yes. like the one common thing. Um, is there anything else for. Um, so I haven't read it yet, but for readers that um, that haven't read it yet, is there something else that you think that will all kind of find that we didn't know about Aaliyah? I think we didn't give Aaliyah enough credit as a musician. Mm -hmm. I think we regarded Aaliyah so many times in history as a vessel for musicians, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. She, she was kind of like the person who embodied whatever vision the people she worked with had yeah. in mind. And, and she was able to then just bring it forth. That's not necessarily true. Aliyah definitely knew how to bring out the best in the creator, uh, the creative team that was working with her. Mm. But there's, there's a responsibility as a real musician. Should be the responsibility as a real musician. <laughs> yeah. but so the responsibility as a real musician to take these perfect elements, the best parts, assemble them as, as part of your own, but then take it and make your interpretation of what it is that they were trying to get across. Mm. And we always made it seem when, when, even when you had reviews written about Aliyah and all these things, it, it just seemed like Aliyah's hand wasn't in what she was doing. And that's not true. She was a musician. She, mm -hmm. her voice was the instrument. There's and there's a couple stories in the book where where you are are surprised. So when she was going into making one in a million, mm -hmm. she would warm. She was warming up in the studio singing opera. Yeah, and, I think I read that somewhere. Yeah, and then uh, the photographer um, Eddie O'Cherry tells a story at the end of the book where when she would um, she ummed on key, so her voice was always in key. Mm. And that's someone who just lives and breathes yeah. and is music. Yeah, like their literal practice of like just speech is yes. musical. Yeah. So that was something that I think that I was pleasantly surprised to learn. I knew that she had written a couple of songs. I remember Came to Give Love, she wrote in Death of a Player, she wrote with her brother. I knew that there were situations where she had a hand in the production and the writing and, and just didn't take credit. But I didn't know just how much 
she did in the studio where she would get a reference track, let's say for the, for one in a million particularly, Mm -hmm. and then would go into the booth and would have the lyrics in mind, but would still kind of freestyle it. Like, you know, those actors who, when they have a script, but the script isn't necessarily what they deliver, Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, because they start to embody that character. It's, it was the same thing. And then when you moved into the Aliyah project, that was an entirely different experience because she was working alongside Static Major, who was writing the songs yeah. with her. Mm. So it was a very God collaborative. God rest his soul, too. Yeah. Another genius gone way too soon. Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy. Like, even like, I mean, now her music's out on streaming. So I think like mm-hmm. this, there's a younger generation that may not have had access to her that's about to for the first time. So, but like, I just think it's kind of crazy how modern her music sounds like in 2021, like, like any of her music sounds like anything that could have come out, you know, like recently and she passed in 2001, was it? Yeah. Well, today's risk is tomorrow's normal. Mm. tomorrow's norm because you have to and if you're going back the 25 years to when the risks were first were were first taken (laughs) (laughs) right that set the standard for what was going to become the the standard for pop music and um you know r&b music so that's what she was doing. She was, she was setting a standard by taking a risk. And that's why everything sounds so relevant because most artists out have taken pages from her book. Yeah, absolutely. Since, since, since she's been gone. Yeah. And you, you could hear the influence in everybody's music, even uh, outside of the direct samples of her music. Yes. I, I can't tell you how many times Drake has sampled her, let alone uh, anybody else. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's a perspective I never really thought about. Um, so, all right. So you've written for like every publication in the world. Um, how do you feel about journalism now? And I, I probably come off as like a very, very angsty blog era journalist uh, when I feel about like, I guess, reading headlines and clickbait. So I wanted to get another perspective from somebody else. Um, do, do you feel that? Uh, it's the actual storytelling is going down the drain or uh, what do you think? Well, it's a loaded question. A little bit. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I think what we're competing with right now is we're competing with egos everywhere. Mm. There's the ego of the writer. The writer ego has gone completely out of control. Mm-hmm. We, we used to be the flies on the wall, mm-hmm. you know, now, now we're stuck with cameras in our faces or else you don't, you don't go anywhere. Yeah. Right. Thus, thus I do a podcast too. <laughs> right. Because you, you, because that's, that's what you have to do mm-hmm. nowadays. That wasn't something that I never wanted to do. I wanted to be the person in the corner with the recorder observing and then going home and, and writing what it was that I just observed. So the idea of having a camera in front of me has always been pretty uncomfortable. Wasn't where I was going. It's something that I've become adjusted to. And and media training artists has actually helped me get in front of a camera and not seem like a total like, like, you know, but uh, you're dealing with the writer ego. Now that is completely different from what it was that we started with. 
then you have kind of like the artist ego where there, it, it seems like artists don't like to be told anything critical, yeah. right? There's no, no oh, for sure. No yeah. critiques are supposed to be allowed. And the, the, the essence of music criticism has always been this kind of divided argument. Like, do you have a right to critique someone's art? Yeah. Like and who gave us the audacity and who gave <laughs> us the audacity. And I think with music critics over time, their opinions, when they leaned toward the negative were dismissed, but then when they leaned towards too, in, too far into the positive were equally dismissed because of favoritism. Hmm. So it became this kind of weird situation where Critics couldn't be critics. Yeah. And artists couldn't create music that could be theoretically judged or broken down, dissected, explained, expressed, whatever. So with regard to storytelling, because you have artists who are so enamored with the idea of not having to hear anything negative, they then don't even want to talk to you to get a good story because then the fear is what happens if you misquote me in the interest of clickbait. Yeah. And what happens? I don't want to be part of your website or magazine's bottom line. I don't want to be part of that. And that's where you're seeing a lot more of as told twos and and artists writing their own articles. And this goes across anything from sports to film, wherever. I don't think that there should be any situation where someone just slams art for the sake of slamming it. Yeah. But there is, there is something to be said if you hear something and it sounds derivative or you hear uh, certain songs and you want to talk about an artist's evolution from their first project to their current one. And to not be given that creative freedom to do that makes it a little harder to be a music journalist. So what we're experiencing now are just a lot of people who are just doing interviews on camera or otherwise mm-hmm. and just getting that exposure for both themselves and the artist with very little room to actually tell stories in um, a laid out narrative, which is another reason why books are so important right now, mm. because especially when you're doing it with the artist, or at least you're doing it with an artist participation because there's some control of the narrative and the goal is not to, well, at least the goal should be not to completely destroy your subject matter. Yeah. Like that was something that really confused me with people who uh, hadn't read the Aliyah book and automatically assumed that for whatever reason I would ever slam her. Yeah. When you're such a fan of the artist, I'm such an Aliyah fan. I've covered Aliyah for decades. To to think that I would ever write a book that would make her look bad is really just a reflection of what it is that people think the writer has been doing for the last several years. And there's no there's no reverence for the subject matter. There's that assumption that there's no reverence. And, and that was something that I think was really 
was really hurtful as a, as a writer, but as someone who uh, was such an Aliyah fan, is such an Aliyah fan, to think that that was like the knee-jerk reaction was, why would you write a book just slamming her? And it's like, yeah, exactly. Why would I do that? Yeah. And so many people who went in thinking that that was going to be the thing. And there's people who like hate read the book. And by the end hit me and said, oh my God, you really love her, huh? And it's like, it's well, like, duh. <laughs> yeah. I, I spent time and time of my life in, in, I couldn't write about anything I wasn't passionate about. That's, that's, that's first and foremost. Exactly. And it, would, it would show. Exactly. <laughs> that's the thing that would, I don't know. I don't know how I could ever, this is something I've never done in my 20 plus years of journalism, ever write about something just begrudgingly. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't feel right. There's a writer voice when you're writing, when you don't like how you sound and it sounds different from when you think you're in your bag. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I know and exactly. I would, and I would never want to put that out into the world of me not sounding like I'm in my bag. Yeah. Especially for an artist I just love so dearly. Yeah, it's it's like it's like three four people walking in a room. It's like a the the critics, the artist, the platform, and then the public, and we all have our own agenda. And or maybe not yeah. agenda so much, but well, yeah, an agenda like the, the writer wants to tell the truth. The artist wants to tell their truth. Um, the public wants to hear what they want to hear. Yes. <laughs> or they hate it. Um, that that might be. Rude, but yeah, uh, that's wow. Uh, that might this conversation might make me a better writer one day if I ever decide to pick up a pen again, but um, <laughs> you see, because uh, there you go. Like it, it becomes one of those things. Well, what am I doing it for? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I got started doing like indie reviews and college radio at the same time. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've never gone into interviews or anything or reviews with the mindset of one. I don't want to write about something that's either not doesn't sound good or isn't up to par or I don't want to write about something I don't like. So uh, I don't write bad reviews, but mm -hmm. I also write critical reviews. So, um, and it's, it shouldn't be as slippery slope as, uh, as it is <laughs> as much of a slippery slope yeah. as it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you're also talking about <sighs> music is so accessible right now. Mm -hmm. More than, more than ever, more than ever. Disregard and my cat, by the way. <laughs> if, if you're not able as a music, a music critic to switch back and forth on Spotify, Apple music title, whatever it is that you use and try to listen to a previous project as opposed to the thing that you're reviewing or, or, you know, writing about. Mm. If you can't, if, if that doesn't, if that's not a thought in your mind with the accessibility of, of these things, mm -hmm. then you shouldn't be critiquing music because you have things that we didn't have when I got started back mm. in my day, right? Like <laughs> I, you had to have the stack of CDs. I yeah. had to listen to the pro two projects before because there, an album review was not just an album review. You're, you're reviewing a catalog when you write an album review. Yeah. And, and that's something that I think has stopped as well. Mm. Right. 
because you're, because there's, you also have the artist who's like, don't judge me by my last work, judge me now. And, you know, then you have the, the fan base who, depending on the, the aggressiveness of them, yeah, like don't judge them for who they used to be. And it's, that's, it's kind of like, you have to show the, the, the seeds that were planted, good, bad, or otherwise, to be able to write about just bodied work this next project could be. And I think about like, for example, Halsey's, if I can't have love, I want power. Mm-hmm. You literally have to listen to her other three projects to appreciate how far she's come with this project. Yeah. And to hear the nuances, like yes. in the flashback, if it's not like a direct flashback, but like there's, this might be a line that references something from an older song. You, you have to listen to it. Yeah, you have to. But then there's also the people who tried to do like the Flex Olympics, right? Who want to take take apart everything and be like, this is a reference to listen, listen, listen. And then before you know it, they're having conversation with themselves and nobody else. So that's how music criticism or even music journalism just gets so strange. And it becomes this kind of, you know, roller coaster ride. Because even when you're talking to an artist, I think... I think everybody at some point wants to be the Nardwar in the situation when they're interviewing the artist. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if we're fans, you know? Right. And while the gotcha moments are, are wonderful, you're not supposed to prove how well you know them. The point is to get the most out of their ability to tell their own story. Yeah. You, you proving that you bought three concert tour t-shirts and wore them or you remember that when they talked about pickles on this song it was in reference to the first album saying that they wish they had a pickle like that kind of like <laughs> you know it, it's it's like it's it's not a it's not a contest between you and the artist and that's yeah. the other thing. It's become a contest because when a journalist has to prove now that they're a brand, they're now yeah. competing. They're competing with the person that they're supposed to be giving their all to, yeah. to show their talent. This isn't to show how cool I am. It's to show how talented you are. And thereby, when you read what I wrote, be like, wow, she's also talented. That was the whole point. But now it's like you want to be the most talented person in the room where this artist is your accessory. And it's like, that's not the point of this. Yeah. Yeah. Or or friends with the artist. (laughs) My goodness. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if they text you. (laughs) Oh, man, I could complain about the the writing game for so long. that just continue to listen to my podcast, guys. Um, so um, I want to talk about God Save the Queens. Uh, I know we don't have a lot of time. You got, you got a bunch of things you need to do. So um, uh, I really appreciated God Save the Queens because I feel like uh, and it's such an annoying Twitter topic now that we only know how to talk about the same three rappers now. And it's <sighs> Cardi B, Nikki, and, and uh, if we're being contrary, uh, Rhapsody, but like you talked about Eve, uh, there's and and so yeah. many other like they've been here the whole time, whole time, and it's it's just it's annoying. So uh, thank you for writing that book, by the way. Thank um, you for reading it. Yeah, <laughs> but um, what what are your thoughts about um? I guess like everybody just talking about or the same stupid 
conversations? I think that as much as I want to say things have changed, they really haven't. But what's happening is on a pop level, because hip hop is pop music now, it's surpassed yeah. rock music. It's the dominant genre. Yeah. What we're allowing now, and this is wonderful, but what we're allowing, allowing female hip hop artists to be superstars, mm. pop stars, just yeah. mass icons, right? And we credit artists like Lil Kim and, and Lauren Hill yeah. For, for really starting that, right? Because they they were the ones, especially like you had Little Kim who just completely dominated the fashion world. You had Lauren Hill who dominated the mainstream. Little Kim also made mainstream hits as well. But yeah. they came, they came and they, they were like a hurricane and they just created. And then you move something like 10 years past when they first came out. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and then the, the beauty of it was an artist like little Kim still continues to be the hurricane. She's still yeah. out there and, and, and a force. Right. But what you, what you experience after that is now because hip hop is pop, right. Mm-hmm. You're allowing female artists to get to be this level of, of just massive icon status. And that's where you get the like Cardi B and and Nicki Minaj and Megan Thee Stallion Mm -hmm. and even Lizzo. Right. Yeah. But what's happening is from a hip hop standpoint, you're not taking their lyrics and appreciating what it is that they're saying. Yeah. You're allowing them to get famous and rich and at the top of the top, but you're doing it without appreciating lyrical integrity yeah. and, the and, art, yeah. and the artists have plenty of that because then when you talk about lyricism you go all the way down on the other side and talk about how slept on the lyricists are whereas when it comes to men the top of the top is jay-z and you're still quoting him yeah the top of the top is Drake. You're still quoting him. The top of the top is Kendrick. You're still quoting him. Top of the top is Cole. You're still quoting him. Yeah. And you're what you're what we're still doing that we've been doing this whole time is we're separating the image of the female artist from their lyrical capabilities. And we're trying to make it seem like that cannot exist in one person. Yeah. And it's still happening. And now it's like, okay, you know, go, go do go do your thing being um you know, at the top. But then when, when it talks about lyricism, man, I wish we had more lyrical women out there. Like, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> like Rod did it. The digger doesn't exist. Like, like, like right, Jean Grey, but, like, you know, I could go on forever. I'm sorry. But also, <laughs> but also like Megan, the stallion isn't a lyricist. Yeah. Like, like Nikki's not a lyricist. Like Kim's not a lyricist. Like yeah. stop, stop pretending that just because, there's a level of fame attached that they're not good at what they do lyrically. And they're just, and it's all aesthetic and it's the optics of fame. That's not what's happening. There's some gifted lyricists as well. I mean, Rhapsody's doing her thing on the mainstream too. And people still talk about her. Like she's slept on and yeah. Rhaps- Rhapsody- Grammy nominated. <laughs> Gra- 
by the I, way. You know, just Grammys and, you know, TV shows and, and doing her thing. And it's still kind of like, oh, I wish, I, I wish, I wish. Oh, what do you wish? This is a completely successful, incredible artist. Why does it, it it's, I, I just hate the heavy sigh that's attached to when you speak about women in hip hop. Mm. Yeah, women are doing their things, but... I wish uh, they, I wish, I wish they wouldn't that. talk about their bodies so much or <sighs> I wish there was more women who were lyrical. <sighs> like, and it's like, come on, you, you like, like the, like the guys that are, that everybody's, you know, falling on their swords for just always so pensive and prolific with <laughs> everything they say. Come on now. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, like, um so uh we're about to get out of here is there anything you want to leave us with before we go um your socials where where can we find you um like i said everybody uh the book is in the description so uh please click that link when you pull over um you can find me uh on my socials at cat 3000 k-a-t-h three zero 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 everywhere and yeah um my the next book that's coming is uh T-Pain, can I mix you a drink? Ooh. We had a lot of fun with that one. Pain paired music, his songs to drinks. And it, it was, it was just a really fun experience. And, you know, you can, you can like drink to his songs and, and he, he tells a couple of little stories and he has some like rule books in there that, that uh, there's like rules in the book that are, are cool. And it's a really good I um it's across the room from me, so I don't want to get up. Actually, I can show you right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here you go. Oh, let me lean in. <laughs> so, well, this baby girl, better known as Alia, this is out now. Um, oh, I should have grabbed my copy. <laughs> um, so this is can I mix you a drink? Uh, and you know, we have it's oh man, that's dope. Yeah, so it's um it's black pages with gold, and you know, it's nice hardcover is with T-Pain curated by yours truly. And um, it's with Maxwell Britton, who is a James Beard award-winning mixologist. And um, yeah, so that's next. And then we got little Kim's the queen bee, her memoir, her long, long awaited memoir. Oh, nice. Um, Wait. So, uh, so what's your favorite drink in that book? Well, oh, and I also have um, in November, T-Pain's coming out in November too, but um, I have in November a thing called the um, a deck called the Hip Hop Queens Oracle Deck, where I paired women in hip hop to spiritual messages of um, empowerment and wrote a book, um, little guidebook. So that's coming as well. Ah, oh, nice. Um, let me. I'm looking right now about which which is my favorite drink mm-hmm. because you know pain pain loves like cognac and. I'm a little, I'm like, I can't, I can't. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm like, I'm like, does anybody have a hard seltzer? Um, let me say, uh, I'm into this one called the monster mash, which is shaken with vodka has um, gray goose, but it also has coconut milk and I can't drink that. And so forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what's uh, the song paired with that? That's a, that's a song he has. Um, it's, it's that actually, I oh. like, um, I like a uh, kiss kiss. It's with made with apple brandy. Oh, like they're just named after the song. Yeah. They're named oh, after the song. Man, that's dope. 
Yeah. And then we have like little, I don't want to be, I don't want to really um, reveal too much stuff, but there's like, you know, he has a couple of, uh, you know, the five most expensive liquor brands that he's never purchased while he's sober. You know, there's, there's, it's a lot of, <laughs> okay. it's a lot of, it's a lot of good stuff, but um, yeah, I, I shouldn't be just flashing the whole book, but I hope people buy it. It's, um, it's pretty good. Guys uh, look out for that. Um, uh, you're going to have all of my money soon. Um, <laughs> No, but um, seriously, thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, she said all of her socials. I'm going to throw those in the description as well. Um, Baby Girl Better Known by Leah is out now everywhere. Please go get that. Um, and uh, thank you guys for listening. This has been the A-Side, B-Side podcast, and we're out.